Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for day number four at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Day number three of practices, and so to recap everything going on down there, our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, what's up, brother? Uh, listen, not a whole lot. Day three of practices is, have wrapped up. Tomorrow, a day off for everybody. Game day the following day. And then for me, the following, actually, no, you know what? I messed up my flights. Two days after game day, I fly back to England where I'll see my family, who I miss very much. Glenn, I'm sure your family misses you very much, too. But you've got a mobile family now that you can visit from time to time. Pop in sort of like extended family, right? I'll tell you what. I have and I feel bad because I keep meaning to start off my own shows by saying this during the Senior Bowl, you know, reviews. I've still not said it. So I'll be saying it first on your show, but I will be saying it on my show. The people down here have been fantastic. I've loved every minute of being in Mobile. I actually um went out tonight, grabbed some dinner and drinks with my my co-host Dylan Terraman, who will be flying home tomorrow. I got Scott, I went to a restaurant. It's Mardi Gras week down here in Mobile. Now it's nothing like New Orleans Mardi Gras. Not that I've been to New Orleans Mardi Gras, but I've seen enough footage to know it's a lot more laid back here. So we go out to a great barbecue restaurant. Pulled pork sandwich was amazing. 
go into the restroom and the urinals were custom made out of what used to be beer kegs. It was amazing. Draped <laughs> in Mardi Gras beads. I think I might have to move here. <laughs> it's something to consider. I don't know that your wife and kids are going to want to pick up and move from the UK to Mobile, Alabama, but that's a hell of a sales pitch if you're trying to convince them. I think if once she sees the picture I took of the urinal, she'll be sold. <laughs> well, let's talk about what else is going on down in Mobile, which of course is Senior Bowl week. And this was day number three of the practices. As you said to me before we started recording, unfortunately, this is the point when guys start to go home because they've done so well. They don't want to risk getting injured. We saw a couple of guys that didn't even make it to the practices, decided it wasn't worth risking injury, even from day number one. Now we've seen a couple of guys who have done very well and they've decided they've done so well. Why risk playing the game and maybe tanking their stock a little bit? So we'll talk about a couple of these guys. Rasheen Ali is the one outlier, the running back from Marshall. He had been doing really well. He's not going home because his stock is so high that he didn't want to risk getting hurt. Unfortunately, he did get hurt. So you can talk a little bit about that. Bo Braid, one of the better safeties in this draft class, University of Maryland, he's gone. Brennan Jackson, the edge rusher from Washington State, he's gone. Malik Mustafa, the safety from Wake Forest. Ricky Pearsall, who we'd heard a lot about, the speedy wide receiver from the University of Florida. Jackson Powers Johnson, one of the top interior offensive linemen in this draft. Not only is he arguably the top center in this draft, it's either him or Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. I heard that he had also done very well working out at both guard spots this week in Mobile. So he is out. And Roman Wilson, the wide receiver from Michigan, who might have been the biggest star of all of them so far this week, he has decided to go home as well. Yeah, I think uh, Roman Wilson may have decided to 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 kindly allow another wide receiver to get noticed because he has been grabbing all the headlines down here the past few days. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, one note: you mentioned Brennan Jackson. We talked a little bit pre-show. I forgot. I spoke with him yesterday, um, and he was in a walking boot. He also had an injury, um, so that's why he went home. And Jackson Powers Johnson can't confirm it. But I did see him coming off early yesterday during a team period, so he may have been injured. I again can't confirm that. Yes, Rasheen Ali had a torn uh, a torn biceps tendon, and um, Brennan Jackson had a left foot injury, left foot or ankle, I believe. And the other guys, like I said, Roman Wilson maybe wanted to let someone else get some attention. Ricky Pearsall, another guy who's having a great week. Malik Mustafa, another guy who I spoke to yesterday. Um, listen, the Jets need a safety, and I. Would love for them to grab him. He is a really good player out of Wake Forest, so it's possible he did enough and went home. So it's, you see it every year. You know, I remember Dewan Jones and some others last year ended up going home early. So you kind of know even before you get here that after day one or two, you're going to have a handful of guys say thank you, but I'm heading home, probably on the advice of their agents. Um, a few guys limped off today and that it kind of drives it home that, um, you know, maybe, maybe these guys who play well don't want to risk a further and risk any injury, um, with just one day left in a game that really, I think a lot of these guys, if they had it their way, that they would rather come and work out and go home and skip the game to be, to be completely honest. But there are guys who want to, you know, who still have a lot to prove, who, who want to be able to participate as much as possible. So what I'll do, I'll, um, 
I've got the notebook here. I've got plenty of notes on lots of guys, but just so I make sure I don't miss anyone, because I think over the first couple of days I maybe miss a player or two, I'm going to scroll through the um, the Senior Bowl rosters, and as soon as I see a name of a guy who I saw do something impressive today or this week, I'll just go ahead and point that out, and I'll start with uh, Keaton Oladapo, uh, safety from Oregon State, and I'll mention him because I can't recall if I told you or not on day one, but we did notice him getting pulled aside by, by Jeff Ulbrich to get coached up a little bit. And he had, he had a couple of passes broken up today. So a good day for him. Malik Mustafa, we talked about who, who went home. We didn't see him at all today, but, uh, Chris Abrams drain, another defensive back, uh, corner out of Missouri. He had a really good day today. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, Bo Braid, I didn't touch on him, but he's, 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 you know, unfortunately my two favorite safeties in this class. Braid and Hicks um, out of Washington State. Hicks didn't show up at all. Braid only practiced a little bit before going home, so that was kind of a shame. Jarvis Brownlee had another really strong day. That's that's. I honestly didn't notice him yesterday. I was um, or as I've said, you're you know, there's over 120 players out there, and you're watching as much as you can. And you know, full disclosure, I missed Brownlee yesterday, but I saw all the post practice hype and Sauce Gardner was commenting on his performance, and you know, he was all over Twitter. So I kind of focused in on him today, and he did a really nice job again. Kalen King, the corner out of Penn State, is another guy who had a good day. Um, Cole Bishop didn't really notice him today, which was, I was a little bit disappointed because he, he really, to me, stood out the first couple of days, but, but a quiet day for him, um, this afternoon. And I will say that today's practice was, and we sort of agreed across the board, and it's probably because it's the last practice before they have a game and everybody goes home and gets ready for the combine. Um, there seemed to be a lot more special teams and a lot more positional stuff where the intensity level is significantly lower and you don't really see quite as much you know act activity as we did the first couple of days um but one guy who was very active especially in the one-on-one drills was duke defensive lineman Dwayne carter he's a guy who is you know a, a, a very popular player down at duke played inside played outside has a bunch of game experience and has done a really nice job he had some really impressive reps today um explosive off the ball showed off a good swim move getting to the quarterback uh, Marcus Harris and Jaden Crumdy or Crumdy out of Auburn and Mississippi State, respectively. They both had really nice days. Darius Robinson, um, who you've probably listen, if you follow the draft closely enough and you're following people like Jim Nagy on Twitter, you've heard Darius Robinson's name mentioned. Um, a guy out of Mizzou who I absolutely loved and I was glad to see him show up here and really show out. He's probably. I would, at least my opinion of, of the 123 guys here. And because of the media days and the post practice interviews, you get an opportunity to stand within a couple of feet of all of these guys. Um, Darius Robinson, easily the most impressive physique. Like that guy is jacked and he uses that strength and power to his advantage. Explosive guy who is sort of getting praise now as a potential first rounder and I would be really surprised if if he doesn't in fact go in the first round. Um Javante John Baptiste, a guy we haven't really heard much of uh, about the first couple of days, but he had some really good reps today in the individual periods. He did a really nice job. Michael Hall, Michael Hall wasn't as good today as he was yesterday. Um I think I'm sure I mentioned him when we talked yesterday. Michael Hall showed a really good first step, explosive rusher. He had a, a sack, he had a pass batted at the line of scrimmage, very active. 
Um, Braden Fisk, Florida State defensive tackle, not surprised at all to see him have a nice day today. Again, he's got one of the better motors in this class, and his first step is sort of, is, at least for me, is is better than I had anticipated. Um, so a really nice, uh, or another, I should say, another good day for him. Devondre Sweat's just a monster, um, DT out of, te- out of Texas. He's going to be... You know, I don't see him lasting much longer than early second round. I would take him on my football team any day um, and do so quite gladly. Uh, Talese Fawaga, who we're expecting to be targeted by the Jets, um, surprised he was out there. Um, but it, it was interesting because he was a guy that I thought would leave because he's he might be – of all the players here, he might be projected to go higher than any of them, and he's played really well the first couple of days. So today, a lot of time on the side for him. We didn't see him as active, and I wondered if that was his agent saying, you know, do me a favor and keep my guy out of action because we we don't want to see him get hurt and hurt, you know, and damage his draft stock because he he's a guy that you know we're now hearing people say that he might be the best tackle in this draft, which I I have a hard time with that because Joe Walt to me is just kind of in, in a class all his own. Javon Foster, the tackle out of Missouri, another good day for him. Um, He's a guy who I'm more interested than most um, in seeing where he goes, because I liked him a lot a a few months ago when I watched him, decided I would watch him closely during this process. I think he's looked fantastic. The, the the few sites that have him listed as a pick have him ranked as sort of a late day three guy. I'd be surprised if he doesn't rise and go much earlier than that. Um, you know, only time will tell, but we'll see. Uh, let's see. We uh, uh, Jeremy Flax, Kentucky. Plays tackle, doesn't have great agility, um, you know, lacks movement skills, probably needs to get stronger, but really big guy, good length, um, plays with a little bit of a nasty streak. Uh, so it's don't throw a punch at somebody today. Um, can't say a hundred percent who it was. I, I wasn't sure because, because of the sight lines where I was sitting, I couldn't see who he threw the punch at, but I did see him, you know, you could see the pushing and shoving and, and tensions rising a little bit and he took a swing at somebody, but, um, not a bad week for him down here. Isaiah Adams, I've talked about, I think, the first couple days. The lineman out of Illinois, another good day for him today. Um, Javian Cohen, uh, Scott, he's a guy that I haven't mentioned at all up until today. And I actually said, you know, I was sitting out there again with my with my co-host, Dylan Terriman, and I said to him at one point, Javian Cohen is one of those guys. He hasn't sort of jumped out at you, but every time I see him, he's doing the right thing. Like, he he's not dominating anyone, but he's not getting beat. So it's like he, he's not sort of lighting it up to where he jumps out as a as a great player. But I realized I don't think I've seen him have a rep where he gets beat badly. And and more often than not, he doesn't get beat at all. So, I, you know, I, part of me wonders, have I missed the boat on him a little bit and not paid closer attention? Christian Haynes, the guard out of UConn, has had himself a really good week down here. He's worked at center, even though he, you know, he's exclusively a guard in college, played center and guard this week, and we saw him do that today. Had some really good reps against some quality linemen. We saw him, um, against McKinley Jackson, um, hold up against him and some other really good interior rushers. So Haynes really making a name for himself down here. Jackson Powers Johnson, as we mentioned, went home. Uh, Layden Robinson, another solid day for him, the Texas A&M right guard. And Patrick Paul is a guy who's kind of stealing the show down here a little bit at tackle. Um, the, 
probably the biggest tackle down here and just another day where he was putting defensive linemen on their faces and 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 keeping the quarterback safe so he's he's probably rising up some draft boards and you wonder if he's sort of entering that range as being a a potential plug and play tackle um which would obviously from a jets perspective you want to see as many of those as possible quarterbacks today weren't again not a great day but probably their best day um we did see Spencer Rattler make a couple of good throws. Bo Nix had one sequence where he threw three touchdowns on three consecutive attempts. I mean, it was red zone, but he was probably from the 15 or 20. And, um, and he, he hit three consecutive, three different receivers on three consecutive pass attempts. As I said, probably the best sequence we've seen from any quarterback all week because they really haven't been that good. Michael Penix didn't look quite as good as Nick's as far as I'm concerned, but he also had probably one of his better days and Bradley Carter or sorry, um, Carter Bradley, the South Alabama quarterback had another solid yet unspectacular type of day. Marshawn Lloyd. Um, wanted to mention him. He had a couple of runs where even they didn't go for huge yards, but you could see the ability to cut on a dime, fake defenders out. They had one play from uh, inside the five where he he ran right, cut so hard back to the left that I'm I'm convinced that almost the entire defense kept going in the opposite or otherwise incorrect direction as he cut back. He was caught for no gain by defenders who were already on the other side waiting, but that cut back, it drew some oohs and ahs from the crowd. Everybody could kind of see, like, not a big gain, but the tools to be able to do that, that cutback was phenomenal. Ray Davis, who I mentioned yesterday, is having a great catch, made another one today, um, the running back out of the University of Kentucky. So he's a guy whose stock has to be rising based on the way he's performed. A.J. Barner, the Michigan tight end, hasn't flashed as a receiver as much as I had hoped. Um, if you watch him on film at Michigan, he's a phenomenal blocker and had a couple of really big blocks today, one that helps bring a, a long run. So he's a guy who's probably going to garner some late-round attention, but he didn't do enough, at least in my opinion, he didn't do enough as a receiver to work his way up into the middle rounds. Um and uh Marcus Roseme Jack Saint, haven't talked about him a lot, the other Georgia receiver, um, other than Lad McConkey. He had a solid day and he's he's had a couple of those really kind of gaining some attention. And think that's about it. Think that's I think that's the whole notebook, Scott. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glenn, I want to talk a little bit more about Talis Fuaga, who you said could be the highest rated prospect at the senior bowl this week. I was kind of surprised he didn't go home as well, considering he had a pretty good showing by all accounts. There have been numerous reporters talking about how Joe Douglas supposedly loves Tali East Fawaga. We heard Daniel Jeremiah mock Tali East Fawaga to the Jets at number 10. Connor Hughes from SNY. Rich Semini from ESPN. I have a feeling that what's really going on here is that these reporters are talking to people that are saying, you know, this Fuaga kid is the exact kind of player that Joe Douglas really likes. And so that's what this is. It's not so much that people are saying, wow, you know, Joe Douglas just can't shut up about Tali East Fuaga. Because I'd like to believe that Joe Douglas is not stupid enough to let every single person know exactly who it is that he would like. And to be honest, Glenn, we're so early in the draft evaluation process that I cannot imagine that Joe Douglas has his mind made up as to his rankings at this point. 
you would think that that wouldn't come until sometime in March, the final rankings that the scouts and the coaches and everybody are going to have. And then Joe Douglas will obviously assemble the big board based on the collaborations of everybody. It's interesting that so many people seem to believe that Fuaga is the guy that Douglas will really have his heart set on. That was something that some people did think about Elijah Vera Tucker and it turned out to be correct. So maybe that's the case. And Fuaga in a lot of ways is sort of similar to Elijah Vera Tucker in the sense that he's a really good college tackle, but a lot of people think he might be best suited at guard. And a lot of people believe that he's going to go somewhere in that 10 to 15 range which is where Vera Tucker ultimately ended up going at number 14. So I think a lot of this is just speculation based on what people believe Joe Douglas is looking for and everybody knowing that he's going to want an offensive lineman. But it tells you something about what people think Joe Douglas values in an offensive lineman. And certainly the fact that Fuaga seemed to be very excited at the possibility of potentially blocking for Aaron Rodgers when he was asked about that yesterday, add some extra fuel to the fire and some excitement for the fan base who are really, really hoping that Joe Douglas can finally fix the offensive line in this offseason. Yeah, listen, you know, it's sometimes it's and I'm not like Rich Samini, obviously, is more plugged in than your average reporter average fan whatever like you know it, it may be that he's hearing something from somewhere where you have to embellish a little bit to cut because you got to get the clicks you got to get people to read it it's you know the, the, it's not the worst story you'll ever see in terms of trying to get people to read because listen I, I say all the time i refer to myself as a dopey blogger like i'm a fan i don't pretend to have sources i don't have sources i, I try to make educated guesses and read the tea leaves and things like that i tweeted out two months ago you know, when we thought the Jets were going to be picking at six or seven, you know, obviously that's not the case now. But even even me, the dopey blogger, tweeted a couple months ago, the Jets should look to trade down, but they better not go so far that they can't get somebody like Talese Fuaga out of Oregon State. Like, I, I can look at him, and we all know the Jets' situation. They've got a bunch of injured old linemen, and the, the guys who stay healthy, like Lakin Tomlinson isn't very good. Carter Warren showed some flashes, but he's really not much more than a question mark. So we know they have an offensive line-minded head coach. We know they have a desperate need for offensive line, and that Joe Alt is going to be off the board. I don't believe anyone who says they believe Fuaga is better than Joe Alt. Joe Alt is the cream of the crop in this class. So that really leaves, and, and really, Fashanu is a guy that everyone up until a couple of weeks ago had 100% pegged to be gone by 10. So the next logical guy, you know, or there were a couple, but Fuaga was definitely one of them. So, you know, if I can make the educated guess as a blogger, uh, you know, anyone who's plugged in can sniff around a little bit and people are obviously going to say, well, Joe D, he's an offensive line guy. Here's a physical tone setting offensive lineman. It's his type of guy. He must love him. And then it goes from there because nobody wants to be the beat reporter or the, the, you know, the national reporter who's not plugged in and doesn't have any idea. So it's kind of like, as long as we're all saying the same thing, it's okay if we're wrong. So. Once Samini puts it out there, everyone jumps on board and says it. Um, I'm not saying it isn't true. I just think the, the 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 most important part of what you said to me, Scott, is how early it is in the process. Because even if he did love Fuaga, there is enough time between now and then for him to change his mind and say, you know what? Maybe it's J.C. Latham. You know, maybe it's one of these other tackles because, as we've discussed, this is a very deep tackle class. So is it Fuaga? I would say it's likely. 
Um, but it doesn't take a genius to figure that out, and that doesn't mean it won't change between now and draft day. Glenn, last order of business. Over the last two days, the final two head coaching hires were made, and those coaching hires did not include Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, or Mike Vrabel, which is kind of crazy. In fact, I'm not even aware of Mike Vrabel interviewing anywhere, so something must be going on there. Bill Belichick will sit out. I suspect he'll have an opportunity next offseason to go somewhere and eventually break the all-time wins record with whatever team he signs with to be their new head coach. But the last two head coaching hires, one a retread, one brand new, Dan Quinn gets hired in Washington with the Commanders. It seemed like the Commanders might have gotten caught with their pants down because it appeared they really wanted Ben Johnson, who then eventually withdrew his name, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, of the Detroit Lions, he has decided to stay in Detroit. And all the other guys that they had interviewed, other than their own internal candidate, Eric Bieniemy, was a defensive guy, including Aaron Glenn, who was the other coordinator in Detroit. They end up hiring Dan Quinn, the former Jets assistant, by the way. Dan Quinn was on Eric Mann's staff at one point. Also a guy who coached at Hofstra, as did Raheem Morris. So Long Island is doing well right now with the head coaching representation in the NFL. Dan Quinn is a guy who was fired from Atlanta, ended up going to Dallas, did a good job there, but he had a very stacked roster of talented defensive players in Dallas. He's not going to be able to bring guys like Micah Parsons with him to Washington. And what's fascinating to me about Quinn is, even though he was this close to winning a Super Bowl in Atlanta, remember, they were up 28-3 to before blowing the lead, Let's remember that Quinn was the head coach of a team that had a defense that relinquished that lead in the Super Bowl. And let's also remember that the Falcons took a huge nosedive once Kyle Shanahan was out of the picture. We should also note Dan Quinn had Matt Ryan at the peak of his powers when he was a head coach. He is not going to have that in Washington. He's going to have presumably a young quarterback to develop. And now the question becomes, who is going to be the offensive coordinator that Quinn will bring with him to try and develop this young quarterback who we can only assume will either be North Carolina's Drake May or LSU's Jaden Daniels. This is a curious hire because I would have thought that Washington would want to go with a young hot shot offensive assistant. They decided to go in a different direction with an older defensive guy who is a retread. We'll see how it works out. I guess a lot of it will depend on who they draft and who they end up hiring to fill out the rest of his staff. The other hire, and this is interesting, is Mike McDonald, who was the defensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens, very highly sought after. He will now be the youngest head coach in the NFL at only 36 years old, a bit of a wonderkind, only been the coordinator there for two years, took over after Wink Martindale left to go to the New York Giants. Glenn, I was told by a source that Mike McDonald got a six-year contract because he insisted on it because he believed that this Seattle team is going to take a while to get to where it needs to get to. And so minute by minute, Mike McDonald is going to make sure that he is on his P's and Q's and doing everything he needs to do to make this team successful. And if they aren't successful, he's going to be taking it to the streets. So that is what a source told me about new Seattle Seahawks head coach, Mike McDonald getting the nod there in Seattle. Very interesting because obviously they went with another defensive guy after having Pete Carroll. 
McDonald, the defensive guy, goes in there. We'll see how he fills out his staff, but he is very highly thought of. And I like when you go with a young, innovative guy like that. It's very risky, though. We've seen it blow up quite a few times when you hire a guy who's young and he's supposed to be this big hot shot. Josh McDaniels comes when he was hired in Denver. Certainly Adam Gase, another one who comes to mind as somebody who blew up. But then again, on the other end of things, sometimes you get somebody like Sean McVay, and it works out very well. So we'll see. But right now, two very different hires, even if they're on the defensive side of the ball, Mike McDonald in Seattle and Dan Quinn. The trend recently has been young offensive assistants who are getting their first fight at the Apple, completely different this time. It was more defensive hires than offensive hires. Didn't think we'd see that. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, uh, you know, as news was breaking about some of this stuff while we were on the sidelines or while we were in the stands at the Senior Bowl, we started having conversations. And I think the the biggest surprise was the Washington hire, right? Because, I, listen, I, I say all the time that, you know, just hire a good coach, that offensive side, defensive side, whatever, just hire a good coach. But as time's gone on and, you know, we've seen – it's funny as Jets fans – as much as we say get an get an offensive minded coach, get an offensive minded coach, the last two we've had have been arguably the two worst coaches in in in, in team history in Rich Cotite and Adam Gase, um, which is so bizarre. It's like okay, fine, go defense, but you would think for the Commanders, as you said, with that second pick, with all that money to spend, why in the world would you not hire an offensive minded guy? Because even if you even if Dan Quinn brings in a good offensive coordinator. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, multiple highly thought of offensive minds in the building. So if you get an offensive guy as your coach and he brings an offensive coordinator, you know, two heads are better than one, right? I mean, you don't want it to be overload, but you, you want to, if you've got an offensive head coach critiquing the offensive coordinator, those two, if they work well together, can be far more beneficial than, say, a situation like the Jets have where, Nathaniel Hackett doesn't do his job and Robert Sala allows that to happen because he's the head coach and he's more focused on the defensive side. So you've got an offensive coordinator who's not watching film and a defensive coordinator who doesn't care. So I would think that a coach, a team would want that offensive head coach to bring in an offensive coordinator and work with the young quarterback that they're going to bring in. Um, I think it's interesting for Sam's how Sam Howell. I mean, that guy had some moments where he, they, they had the worst O-line in the NFL. He got sacked a million times. Um, but still, despite that, played pretty well. Um, I forget who it was. One of their linemen said that, you know, I think he's the guy. Like, uh, from what I've seen from Sam, I think he's the future of this team. Now, very unlikely with where they're picking. So if he's a guy that a team could trade for, that might be an interesting scenario. But the coaching carousel has been very strange. Who would have thought the Jets would be in a situation where they have one of the worst head coaches in the NFL and Bill Belichick is out of a job and Mike Vrabel is out of a job and the Jets aren't pouncing? Um, it, it's frustrating. I think they're going to regret it come next year. I just hope, Scott, that next year when this doesn't work out and Robert Sala is gone, that they finally go out and hire Todd Monken. By the way, for anybody that didn't get what I was going for before with Mike McDonald, the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, go ahead and Google Michael McDonald and you'll figure it out if you don't know, because that's what I was talking about. 
And I know that some people aren't going to get the reference. So go ahead, Google Michael McDonald, and you'll see what I was talking about before when I talked about the quote unquote source that told me about Mike McDonald wanting the long contract because he knows it's a minute by minute process and he'll be taking it to the streets if he doesn't end up winning and being successful in Seattle. Glenn Naughton, our friend who is down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama for JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down day number three of practices down there. We're going to do a Senior Bowl game preview tomorrow, and then we are going to have a Senior Bowl recap after the game happens. We'll also answer your questions after that. If you want to know about any of the prospects or any of the whispers that Glenn has heard down there so far this week, we are going to do a mailbag after the game happens. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll have some questions. I'll open it up on Twitter, and you can send them in. In the meantime, check out everything Glenn is doing over at JetNation.com and follow him on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. 